Good morning, City Life, and good morning to all of our City Lifers, our visitors, anyone who's here for the first time or checking us out. Uh, welcome. Welcome to our online church. Welcome to this special Sunday for us. Uh, we love you. We love that you're here. Uh, my name is Pedro Reese, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you are new, checking us out, if you've been here for a while and haven't reached out, uh, hit that I'm new button in the notes section below. There's this tab. It's called notes. Let us know that you're here. We want to connect with you. I want to have a cup of coffee with you. I want to go out for a meal with you. We want to start walking together. If you're looking for a church home, if city life is interesting to you, if you feel like there's something here, reach out. We want to uh, walk this life together with anyone here in Jersey City, anyone who wants to be a part of our community. We will walk knowing Jesus out with you. I pray that you had a good Thanksgiving, that it was a great time with family, with friends, but more than just those and those comforts that you were really able to dig deep and give God some thanks, which is a lot of what we're going to be doing today. Um, also, just as a programming note, this Sunday is really quite remarkable for the life of our church because this is our first Sunday where we will also be in our meeting spot, in our brand new location, 165 Newark Avenue in the heart of downtown, one block away from the Grove Path Station. And so unfortunately that means for the time being that we are going to be split in two locations like we had been for much of this year. And so while we will not be as active here in the chat or reaching out, um, we want to connect with you. So we might not be here in the chat right now. Eventually, we're headed towards being able to live stream. That's ultimately where we are going to end up so that we have a more live component with anyone who is still at home or checking us out. But until that happens, we are going to continue to provide this space here, continue to be pre-recording messages uh, while our technology catches up on that end because we want to take care of all of our community we are not going to be losing people because we are just cutting off this space. And so we love you. We want to connect with you. And um, let's jump into today's sermon. Today would typically be the first week of our Advent series, right? I, I didn't grow up doing Advent quite like I've learned other people do Advent or other traditions do Advent. But it, normally, they, the four weeks, the four Sundays before Christmas, the church sets aside in the calendar to prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ, right? We spend these weeks saying, okay, let me get ready. I don't want to just wake up on Sunday morning and stumble into Christmas. I want to prepare myself for the coming of Jesus, that God himself came and took on a body just like us, that he became human just like us. And normally we follow it. In the last couple of years, we have been very... Um, traditional with Advent, giving it four weeks, but today we are doing something a little bit special. We want to continue, we want to start this season of Advent, right, preparing ourselves, but today I feel called to do something that God actually gave me in the first couple of weeks of when this pandemic started. Today we are having an Ezra and Nehemiah service. And to go there, to, to set this all up, we need a history of this church, of city life, during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of our people right now either started coming to city life right before the pandemic started, had a, like a couple of weeks or a couple of months before we went online. 
And then uh, we have a good amount of people who have joined us during the pandemic who don't even know city life in person or city life in a building, which is very funny for me to think about. And so let's have this little history lesson, right? Let's start off today with this history lesson. It shapes what we're doing today. So the first time I was racking my brain about this, the first time I remember anyone telling me about COVID, about this sickness that might come here, I, I'd read it on the news here and there, right? Coverage before it really started here in the US, like we knew there was something happening in China, but no one had the foresight to see what was coming. Uh, in fact, actually some people did, because I remember Gloria coming to me one week and saying, Pedro, like, uh, there's this disease, or not disease, but there's this virus that's taking over China. It's a really big deal. It's only a matter of time until it comes here. Let's be ready. And uh, I was definitely not dismissive in any way when Gloria talks to me about anything. But man, I did not foresee what we were about to step into. I was like, yeah, Gloria, you're right. Yeah, we will get on that. Let's wait until it becomes a little bit more realistic. And man, this happening in late February, it became realistic pretty quickly. On November 12th, 2020, I went to the downtown MC because that was the MC I attended at the time. And I got in front of the whole group. I have a picture of it and I look at it from time to time. And ironically, comically, and like, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. On March 12th, I stood in front of that MC and I said, our church will continue to meet for as long as we can, for as long as it's a possibility, for as long as it's safe to do so. Like we are committed to meeting. Let's commit ourselves to stay this unified community. March 12th, I stood in front of there of everyone and said that which is to me so funny because less than 24 hours later, I got a call from the head custodian at the school that we met telling us that we couldn't use the space. And for the foreseeable future, it was out of the question. Like literally less than 24 hours, I stood in front of everyone. I was like, yeah, guys, we're going to continue to meet. We're going to continue to be this community. And in a couple hours, I get a phone call saying, yep, it's not going to happen here. Whenever I need a laugh, whenever I need to be reminded that, yeah, we come up with plans, we plan, we're good stewards of what God has given us, but man, ultimately, our plans held up against God usually crumble and fall apart. Man, I'm going to learn that lesson. I'm going to keep that lesson with me for a very long time. And so on the, Mar the night of March 13th, I got the whole oversight team together. We scrambled. I, I called for an emergency strategic meeting like, we how are we going to pivot? How are we going to do this? Man, and I was just so angry and confused and hopeless. And I remember we set this plan, right? I called leaders. The whole, those days were just a blur. I was calling everyone, making sure we're on the same page, getting our MC leaders, closing the ministry teams that we like weren't going to need for a while. And man, I just it was all a huge haze. But after that meeting, what I remember most emotionally was that we set a plan. We would go online, we would record, we would do whatever we needed to do to keep up with all these changes. 
But I, I just went, I left the meeting. I went into our bedroom where Anne was, my wife. And I felt like a little kid and I cried. I sobbed. I wasn't just crying. I sobbed in her arms for a very long time because I couldn't understand how anything good was going to come out of this season. I like, I sobbed like a baby. I was like, how can this produce anything good? And honestly, I was also just really scared because I had finally gotten my dream job. I had finally gotten the job that I had been working for close to 10 years to have. And I was like, it's done. I'm not going to have this job anymore. I had no faith. I had zero faith. I was confused and I was angry. And the only thing that I could get out loud, the only thing I could vocalize to Anne was, how can this be good? How will this produce anything good? That's where I was. The next day on March 14th, Ryan and I recorded our first pre-recorded sermon. And to tell you the truth, I hated it. In fact, for months, I cried whenever I recorded each sermon. And I cried when, it was, when the sermon was airing on Sunday mornings. I cried because I was like, man, I can't do this. I'm not charismatic enough. I'm not fun enough. I'm not interesting enough. I'm just starting out. I am, feel so horrible at this. I had no faith. And every Sunday and every time I recorded, I cried. I was at the end of myself. And if one thing, if the pandemic has taught me one thing, is that even though I didn't know I had God in a box, but I had him in a very clear, very small box. It was like, God, I, I did not trust him to work outside of that box, outside of the routine of the Sunday morning, of being gathered, of being in a place. But the pandemic taught me quickly that he was shredding that box apart, shredding it faster than I could cope with. And I did not have a lot of faith. And then on March 15th of 2020, our first online service began. And today is the day of our first in-person service. The first in-person indoor service in 89 weeks. 89 weeks. And when I think about where I was when I was first crying in Anne's arms, I had no hope for a month. I had no hope that this church would be open in a month. 89 weeks later, and we're still here. 89 weeks later, and He's still with us. 89 weeks later, and we are still together because of Him. 89 weeks later, and God has been working in in each and every single one of us, intimately, deeply. He's been faithful beyond my wildest imagination on that day. 89 weeks of going to Him, tired and broken and without a lot of faith, 
89 weeks of him showing up and doing what only he can do. 89 weeks of realizing that whatever he was going to keep open was going to stay open. No matter whoever fills it or no matter how charismatic or good or interesting of a preacher someone is. We have 89 weeks of seeing God provide in miraculous ways. And so today we come together for this Ezra Nehemiah service. And there are a couple of things that this service is not. And I want to make those really clear as we go into it. Today is not about, we did it, church. We overcame every obstacle. We are so awesome. Pat yourself on the back. You did it. We did it. Man, what a group of people that we have. Now every struggle is over because we have an indoor space for four hours on a Sunday morning. Today is definitely not about that. Today is not about, we did it, guys. We're in this space now, and now we're done relying on God for everything that we get. It's not about that. We are not putting God back in that little box. I, I'll speak for myself, I am not putting God in that little box that I had him in, where I was like, God, how you cannot work outside of this formal structure now. Today isn't about saying like, God, okay, now we don't rely on you. I don't need to lean on you. I'm done praying for good weather on Sundays. Like, you do not know how much I prayed for that in these last 89 weeks. Today isn't about any of that. But today is 100% about seeing God has been faithful to us. We need to give God all the glory and all the honor because he has shown himself like he always has, that he is faithful, that he is with us. We've got to give him praise and all the honor and all the glory. Today we're going to share testimony. We're going to confess sin if that's what we need to do. We are going to say that, Lord, we have visibly seen you act for the last 89 weeks of the life of this church, and we need to praise you for that. Today isn't the end of some giant struggle. No, our life continues and the journey of this church will continue, but we are going to set aside time to worship Him and to praise Him by having this Ezra and Nehemiah service where we just give Him all of the attention. And so to set, before we set that up, let me pray for us. Let me ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us. It's going to look differently online than it will in person, but let's continue to worship God. Let me pray so that He's with us, empowering us, so that we can go forward. Let me, let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your kindness, your goodness. I thank you for how immense you are. We just praise you today. Holy Spirit, I invite you into our online space, Lord. I invite you into this room right now with me preaching, Lord. I invite you into my heart and I invite you to all of the people listening for you to do your work, for you to bring praise out of us, for you to bring thanksgiving out of us, for us to spend time telling other people of how good you have been to us in one of the most difficult seasons that this world has ever has seen in a long time. Holy Spirit, you're invited. God, we want to praise you today. Be with us and empower us to do that. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So if we're going to be talking about Ezra and Nehemiah, let's, let's set the story. Let's talk about Ezra and Nehemiah's backstory. 
So if we're having an Ezra and Nehemiah service today, we need to preach, set it up to, for us to know what we're stepping into. This like really wonderful, peculiar time in God's story, in the history of his people and what he was doing. A time where he really showed how good and faithful he was. And we see this clear image of people getting it, of his people finally understanding it. Even if it was momentarily, like they, they saw, a curtain was peeled back and they saw what he had been doing. So at this point, this moment in God's people's story, they were captives. They had lost their nation. They had lost everything that, met, that like shaped who they were as a people. They were under control by King Cyrus of Persia. And every sense of what it meant to be an Israelite, of God's chosen people, of his set-aside special family, right, had been taken from them. They lost their land, which to us might just mean like, oh, okay, they, they lost land. But no, like... The land to them was their promise. It was their heritage. It was their people. It was God's like sign that he was really with them. They lost their land, not just like losing a deed to a land or selling it off. They, they like, were stripped of a core part of their identity. And with losing the land, you know, they lost all these signs, these visible external signs of uh, we are God's people. They lost their identity and there were these people that even though they weren't wandering like in the desert, they were wandering in, who are we? Is God still who he says he is? Like, are we still this distinct people? Are we, do we still belong to the God who created everything? Like, is our God still, like, is he real? Was he who we were told he was? I think the only thing that like, I can really adequately think of that was kind of realistic at one point of what it like what it would mean for us as Americans to lose the sense of like of America right to lose the sense of who we are like this uh, special people on this planet was uh, like imagine if we lost the Cold War and we were like we're in this communist system imagine if like the system of government that won out was communism like it, it would be different to be American it would look different to the world it wouldn't be like american excellency anymore it would be oh like we lost we would lose a sense of who we were and then put on top of that the fact that israel was like a nation formed by god which a lot of people think america is but we won't get into that that's a whole other subject for a whole nother day but all of these external signs of what it meant to be god's people they lost they lost their borders, their nation. They lost Jerusalem, God's city. They lost the temple, like the physical location of where God's presence rested on this planet. They lost. It was broken. It was torn down. It was destroyed. But because God is faithful and he was with his people in this interesting period, he moved, in the, he moved in the heart of King Cyrus, right? This foreign god, God, Yahweh, met him, changed his mind, gave him a plan, and they were allowed to go back home. It's, just, it's a re really remarkable story. Re read it in, in Ezra, read it in, in Nehemiah. Like this, this beautiful story of like God, how he moved in the heart of this foreign king, and they were allowed to go back. They were allowed to go back and rediscover what it meant to be God's chosen people. 
They were allowed, and th their specific assignment was go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Rebuild Jerusalem's walls. And in the process, regain who you are. Learn who you are. Bring back all of these signs of what God was doing in your people. So yeah, it's like they were rebuilding walls, they were rebuilding buildings, but in the process, emotionally and like spiritually, they were regaining who they really were. And not only did God, like, did God just make a way for them to go, but everything was paid for. Everything was set up. They needed nothing. They only needed the people to go and redo it and reclaim who they were. And I can't help but think of the parallels. Like very clearly, these 89 weeks, we have not been captives. I am not saying that this is exactly one-to-one -one ratio right here. We have not been captives. But we are in this season now where we're like, wow, like, Let's set aside this Sunday to talk about who we are and who we've been all along. Let's set aside this Sunday to give God the praise for sustaining us in a really difficult portion of this church's history. Like, let's share stories of what happened. Let's share stories of God's faithfulness. Let us, like, celebrate that the Lord has provided a way for us out of a difficult season. And so this is how they did it. Let's talk about reading the law. And so in Nehemiah, well today we're going to be in Nehemiah verse, chapters 8 and 9. At this portion of the story, they had gone back. Right? God had freed them from being exiles, and God empowered people to lead them through this process. Ezra and Nehemiah stood up as leaders to rebuild their identity, rebuild their people, and so many like strange, awesome honest things happen in the story at this point. It's such a peculiar time, such a peculiar activity that happens in the life of Israel. But there's this one point in chapter 8 of Nehemiah, they start reading from the law, the book of Moses, right? The book of the law of Moses is what it's called. In chapter 8, verse 3, the verse ends by saying, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Everyone who was there gathered and they were giving God all of their attention, all of their desire. Like they were there for one reason, and it was to rebuild their identity. And as they read the book of the law that God gave through Moses, every single person was there and bought in and captivated in this moment. They felt that it was a special, ordained, like God divine moment. And as they read, something so interesting happens. As they read God's law, they see like, oh my goodness, this is impossible. We've, we miss the mark. We are so incomplete. We are so dirty. We haven't been living the way God has called us to. So the law was working the way it was intended to, to be a mirror showing them who they really were and how they were living. And as they were getting reacquainted with their God, as they were like reestablishing these relationships and this way of life, they're like, man, we're broken. They were seeing the depth of their sin, the depth of their despair. And even though they were in it and they were familiar with it, they were like really realizing the depth of what their experience meant for them. And the end result was that they were just sad. This sadness overcame the people. This sadness like just overtook the heart of what was happening there. 
And Ezra sees this and he's like, hold on. Let's have a party. Let's have a seven-day party where we celebrate God, where we share praises, where we share testimonies, where we confess, confess our sins to one another. Let us reacquaint ourselves with the Lord. Get back like the way of our life that God established through celebrating what God has done for us. And so that's what they do. They party for seven days and they read God's word for seven days and they spend so much time together assembling, reading God's word and then talking and celebrating. And they like, were becoming God's people again through celebration. And it culminates in this moment in Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 8. Really, it's this whole chapter, but for the sake of time, let me read the first eight verses. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, the word of the Lord says this. Now on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their head. And the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood, and we're going to get a whole bunch of names that I am not going to read perfectly here. It says, On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmael, Shabaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Shenani. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the, and the hosts of heaven worship you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you. You made with him the covenant to give him his offspring, the land of Canaanite, the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girishite. You have kept your promise, for you are righteous. I love that. I love that as they were getting reacquainted and celebrating and thinking of what God has done, it just caused praise and confession, and more praise and adoration, and these honest interactions with people. Like I just picture for seven days, just going around telling people what God has done, how good and faithful He was, that them as a people here are just like humbling themselves to be, God has been good to us. God just saw us through a difficult season, and though we have a lot of work in front of us, sometimes we need to look back to motivate us to go forward. God has been good to us. And from here, they like, 
they talk, we hear them talking about Abram, right? You made Abraham out of Abram. You called him out of the Chaldeans of Ur, where he used to live. And he formed him to be his people. You gave him a covenant. And then from here, they talk about Moses and like how he led them, how he parted the Red Sea, how he led them in a pillar of cloud and fire, how he provided for them, how he gave the Ten Commandments to them. It's just like looking back being reacquainted with their story, their heritage, their people, what God has done for them. And it all culminates in in verses of the same chapter, chapter 9, verses 32 and 33. It says, Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not not all the hardships seem seem little to you, that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people, since the time of the king of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous, and all that you have done upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. I find this to be so important because it was like this moment of clarity. They're like, God, you have never wronged us. You have never done anything bad. You were acting justly. You were caring for us. Even in this season where we, where we were like, God, nothing good can come out of this. You were doing something profound. You were being just with us. We were still in your hands, even though the plans were not going according to our will. And then verse 39 of chapter 10 ends this assembly with them saying, we will not neglect the house of our God. Now we know Israel's history because it's our own. They do neglect it. But for this moment, they were like really struck with God's faithfulness with what he has been doing in their lives. And so all of this to set up what we're going to be doing today. Let's talk about Ezra and Nehemiah sharing. And so today, we gather, even online. It's going to look different online as it is going to be in person. But throughout all of City Life's platforms, our whole point for today is for us to just spend time realizing how faithful God has been. That He is faithful to move us through every season, no matter how difficult it seems for us. No matter how impossible we think the odds are. Today, we're giving God all the glory for these last 89 weeks. Every week that City Life has been alive, but especially these 89 weeks that He took us by the hand and walked us down this difficult road. And to do this, I, like, I've been, since... I think before the second week of being online, I felt God tell us to do this. I felt God say, the first Sunday that you are together in, a, in an indoor space, honor me in this way. And so I wish this wasn't this weekend because a lot of people aren't going to be here. But I, I feel the importance of being faithful to do this the first week that we gather. And I want to do this. I wanna, the last thing that I want to do today is I want to read a portion of this Ezra Nehemiah story from the kids' Bible that I read to Ryan and Paige every day. Me and Anne read to them every day. I love the way that, like, sometimes it's just so simple when you're telling it to a kid. 
I want this to be this simple for us of what we are trying to do. This is from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it says this. Have you ever been to a party that lasted a whole week? How about a sermon that went on all day? Well, that's just what happened to God's people after they came home from being slaves. They had forgotten how God wanted them to live or who they were supposed to be. So Ezra and Nehemiah read them the rules God had given Moses. But something odd happened. The more the sermon went on, the sadder they all got. Why? Excuse me. Was the sermon that boring? No, not really. It was strange. You see, as Ezra read the book of rules, it worked like a mirror. It showed them what they were like, and they didn't like what they saw. They saw that they had not been living the way they should. They saw that they were cruel and selfish. We've blown it, they cried. Now God will punish us. They thought they knew what God was going to do, but they didn't. Of course, they might have picked up, on, picked up a clue from Ezra's name, which means help is here. And an even stronger one from Nehemiah's name, because his name means God wipes away our tears. And that, as you see, is just exactly what God was getting ready to do. Ezra looked at God's children. Great hot tears were welling up in, the, in their eyes and streaming down their cheeks. He stopped his sermon mid-sentence and shut the book. We're going to have a party, he shouted. And, that's, and so that's just what they did all week long. God wants us to be happy, Ezra said. And all, they listened, and all day they listened to stories about the wonderful things God had done for his people. He, how he made the world. How he gave a special promise to Abraham. How he rescued them from slavery. How he spoke to Moses and showed them how to live. How he brought them to a special land. How he rescued them, no matter what, time after time, over and over again because of his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. They remembered how God had always, all through the years, been loving his children, keeping his promise to Abraham, taking care of them, forgiving them. Even when they disobeyed, even when they ran away from him, even when they thought they didn't need him. Then God said something more to his children. I can't stop loving you. You are my heart's treasure, but I lost you. Now I'm coming back for you. I am like the sun that gently shines on you, chasing away darkness and fear and death, so you'll be happy. You'll be like the little calves running free in an open field. I am going to send my messenger, the promised one, the one you have been waiting for, the rescuer. I just love that. I love this chapter, this special chapter in God's story. For us today, that means let's set aside time to worship Him, to share testimonies about Him, to tell one another about how faithful and good He has been, how He is good to lead us through every circumstance that we come. And so today is this like... Lord, we know you've been good to us, to us in this season. Let us have the courage to stay committed to you and to this church because you are not done with us. We are still on a mission. 
And so as we relearn how to be a gathering people again, as we take steps to be an in-person church again, like let us first give God praise and honor because He is the only one that has sustained us in this season. It has not been me. It has not been Ryan. It has not been the amazing people that we have behind the scenes here. It's been Him. And so this is what we're going to do. It's going to look different online than it does in person. If you're watching this with somebody right now, spend some time with one another. The sermon's going to end. There's not much more after this. The sermon's going to end. Talk about what God has been doing for you emotionally, in your life, in your job, providing for you all along the way. If you lost your job or if you were afraid, if you were scared like I was when this started, talk about how He has sustained you and held you up this whole time. If you're watching this and you're alone, call somebody. Call someone today. Tell them how good God has been to you. Whether it's someone who knows Him or not, share with somebody today. Take that bold step and say, God has been so good to me. Let me tell you how. Share that news with somebody today. Share a testimony. Or, and I would love this, even if you do one of the other twos, even if you do both of them, I would love to spend time next week reading emails of testimonies of what God has done for you. My email is preese at citylifenj.com. Please email me. I want to reach out. I want to get to know you. I want to hear how God has been faithful to you. I want worship and adoration to be at the center of how we step into being an in-person church again. Church, we have a lot of work ahead of us. We have a lot of things that we want to do. We, won't, we want to be a church that calls people into faith for the first time. We want to take care of our city. We want to play a role in this city that would miss us if we closed our doors. But before any of that, we do all of that because God is good and He has been faithful to us. So let us give Him this day and tell Him, like, Lord, You are incredible. And I know we've gone super long today. I'm so sorry. But church, we love you. I love you. We are going to continue to be taking care of our whole community, going after our mission and our vision like never before in this next season. Thank God for this space. But really, for hours out of the week is a very small part of what this church is called up for. And so we love you. Let us continue to be a church that honors God and looks forward to what He has for us. Join us on our MCs. Hit me up. I want to connect with you. If you are new, if you haven't reached out to anyone, I want, we want to know that you're here. We love you all. We want to serve this city no matter what. And we'll keep you updated on our pursuits to be live streaming instead of these pre-recorded sermons. We love you. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had an amazing time, and we'll see each other soon. Bye.